Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Well, welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Uh, I am not Tom Brown. Tom Brown is out today. I am Med Skeens in the studio with Anthony Cox. And we're going to be talking about some things that are passionate in his heart about the city, the gospel, community, and mission. But before we do that, I just got back from Super Bowl Outreach. We went to San Francisco with a team of pastors and evangelists, and they were wonderful in sharing the gospel. And on the phone right now uh, was one of my leaders, my son, Rick Skeen. So, Rick, are you there? Yeah, hi, man. Hey, listen to this. So, Rick, you told me a verse a long time ago about what fires you up for the gospel, and it was Romans one sixteen when it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power and salvation. So what motivates you to share this gospel, and what, what gives you that drive, bud? Well, as I read Scripture, I looked at Apostle Paul, and I saw how passionate he was, and I was jealous. I wanted to you know, be obedient to Scripture to imitate him, and um, it's hard to to see what that would look like in our day and age. So instead of trying to um, make myself do things, and what I thought was biblical, I started to ask the Lord for a proper motivation. If I looked at what was Paul's motivation, why was Paul not ashamed of the gospel? And in Romans one sixteen, he says he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation. So the truth and the knowledge that he had about how powerful the gospel was, he gives us a little insight there. Of, that's his motivation of why he was not ashamed of the gospel, because he honestly believed that the gospel all by itself is the power of God unto salvation. And then he writes his letter to the Romans and expands on that a little more. And why does he believe it's the power of God and salvation? Because we're told in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing. And how can people hear... And why do they know what to believe in unless somebody goes and preaches? Mm. So I start connecting the dots and seeing Paul's view on the gospel and, and how his the truth about the gospel and its power is what motivated Paul, and that became a great motivation for me to really just—for me, it was just let the Lord have his way with me and lead me, Lord, daily, minute by minute, to whatever it's like. I want to be so sensitive that— um, you know, I share who you want me to share with, and I don't who you don't want me to share with. Uh, but that, that's why Romans one sixteen was influential to me because it tells us why he was unashamed of the gospel because he believed that the gospel really was powerful enough to save somebody if we would so, share it. So, Rick, you, used to, you did a radio uh, spot here with Tom Brown for a couple years called Taking It to the Streets, and you shared many times. And for years, I've watched you share the gospel on the streets, and you there's been a lot of rejection, bud. I mean, you, you're a fool for Christ, you always say, and, and rejection is a good thing. So tell me, what, what, do you, what is it like to be rejected, and how do you feel when that does happen? And encourage us. Well, thankfully, there's plenty of uh, examples in Scripture that show us how the, Jesus was constantly rejected, uh, the disciples were constantly rejected. So we know we're in good company, um, and we, we get to look at how they handled it and what they talked about. And for me, uh, it, at first it was, it was a, out of just sheer obedience and uh, knowing it was going to happen, um, 
it was I was okay with it. But then I ha- I got a book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven, and it helped shed light on how we have really nothing to lose to share the gospel with people. And, and really, there's three possible outcomes. The first one is that they get saved. All of heaven rejoices. It's the greatest possible outcome. Amen. The second outcome would be you just plant a seed. They are just kind of open, really not really rejecting it. Um, you just plant a seed. That's another privilege the Scripture tells us we have. It's a job that some of us do. Some plant, some water. Um, some people harvest in somebody else's labor, and they've been planting seeds and watering, Amen. and somebody else comes up to them, shares the gospel one time, and the yeah. guy gets saved, and, and it was because of somebody else was faithful in planting seeds. So the second outcome is also a great uh, win. The third possible was, hey, they reject you. They want yeah. nothing to do with it. And that, at first, to me, seemed, seemed like a loss. Hey, Rick. I thought, okay, well, I got two out of three. Yeah, I got you. Hey, listen, we got to come back. Uh, so thanks for calling in. I've got to close this segment because they're listening to Faith Talk 1360. If it wasn't for Calvary Ranch, I. Welcome back to Coinia Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Med Skeen sitting in studio with Anthony Cox. Tom Brown's out today, and we have the privilege of sharing. Uh, the gospel right now with my son, Rick, who's on the phone. Rick, are you still there? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, cool. Real quick, uh, I only got a minute or so with you right now, but uh, that Super Bowl experience we did in San Francisco, Rick, I got to tell you, is how unusual for 120 to 150 preachers, uh, pastors, and evangelists to get together and saturate this this one area with the gospel. And I remember a, a guy was preaching, and he was like, repent, repent, on a big bullhorn, screaming and hollering. And I remember you shared with him, it's like, hey, brother, you know, yeah, we have to repent. That's what we do, but you got to tell him why for the forgiveness of sin, because that's the full gospel. And you did it with this million-dollar smile. And I, remember, I remember him saying, thank you for sharing that. He gave you a hug, and uh, you kind of helped that guy along. So I, I'm just encouraged by the way you shared the gospel on the street there, Rick. Well, thank you. It was, it's just come from a lot of mistakes I've made myself, and people have been kind enough, like a Priscilla and Aquila, to come alongside me and show me a more accurate way. And so I felt like it was a a privilege to help this guy's name is Ryan. I got his phone number. I've been texting him and we've been encouraging each other since then. And, um, cause I was, I showed him one verse. I asked him, I said, check out Luke 24, 47. And I'd encourage anybody listening, just write this down. Luke 24, 47. This is where Jesus is telling the great commission to his apostles right before he ascends into heaven. He's giving them the last commission. He's, he's just kind of fine tuning what he wants them to do, what to focus on. And uh, he says, the Great Commission is go share the gospel and preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Specifically, it says that, that he asked them to preach about repentance for the forgiveness of sins, to let people know how to have their sins forgiven. It's through repentance. And what's cool is I got a list of about 12 examples in Acts where we see apostles doing that exact same thing, where they specifically mention repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Hey, Rick, so when you're talking to this guy, remember there were some critics. You know, everybody wants to criticize, and they think they're doing it right. You've never even said that. You always encourage people, even though they don't do it the way you do it. And that one guy that uh, challenged the team, and he says, when when we're criticized and someone asks you, how many did you lead to Jesus, what do you tell them, Rick? Yeah, it's tough because you get that a lot. Well, how effective was it? How many did you lead to Jesus? And if you really think about it biblically, 
if you really believe God is sovereign over salvation, the answer is, is we led every one of them to Jesus. We laid them right at his feet. We gave them the good news of salvation. We told them how to have their sins forgiven, and we led them right to Jesus, because who else would we lead them to? Exactly. Who else has the words of life, (laughs) as Peter said? So the answer to your question is, how many did we lead to Jesus? We led every one of them to Jesus, and we laid them right at the feet, and we left them in the hands of a sovereign God, because if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit waking us up and giving us the ability to understand the gospel, there's nothing I can do to persuade somebody to be saved. The only thing I can do is share the gospel and point them to Jesus. Thank you. Well, Rick, I'm going to have to move on here. I'm getting ready to open up a, another huge can of worms right here in the downtown Phoenix Urban Ministry with Anthony Cox. But, Rick, we love you, man. Thank you for sharing the gospel and leading us out, praying for you, and uh, pray for us as we uh, use this platform to, to be obedient. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye, bud. Wow. It's intense. Hmm. I'm serious. Every time I talk to Rick, Anthony, it's just, he just really encourages me and to say, you know what? This gospel is important, and it's urgent. We need to get it out. But at the same time, we've got a slow process discipling people. Because when they do, uh, when Jesus wakes them up and they're here in the gospel, then pastors kick in. And I know when Rick and the team are out there, they always, if someone prays and they go, I really want to follow Jesus, they find a local church Mm -hmm. and they find a good one, somebody who knows mission, who knows the gospel and leads them. And you, uh, Anthony, pastor, uh, a a pastor at Mission, uh, (laughs) Mission, Mercy Hill, on Mission, Mercy Hill, downtown Phoenix. And I look at that, three words come to my mind every time I talk to you and I hear you preaching and I hear, I I just see you working out in the field. You talk about gospel, community, and mission. That's solid. Now you heard Rick talk about the gospel as a pastor, as a shepherd, as one in, in, in urban downtown Phoenix who is light amongst the dark. And believe me, I'm there beside you, but I know what's going on. Unpack what the gospel looks like uh, from our perspective right here as, as, as a pastor. Yeah, thanks, Matt. What an honor it is, privileged to be on the radio with you today. Um, man, I, I love hearing uh, Rick just be able to share his passion and what motivates him to share the gospel. Uh, it's the same that, that motivates us. We, we believe the gospel is the good news, that God is redeeming a people for himself, and he's restoring his good creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's good news that is to be proclaimed in word, but also to be demonstrated in deed. And it has the power to, to, of God to change lives and, and renew cultures. You know, the, the story, there's a story that's all being told uh, everywhere. The, the world has their story. We, we simply want to tell a more compelling story of what truly can transform lives. And so we think in terms of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation, what what we see uh, in the Bible. Uh, creation has to do with a sense of identity. Uh, fall has to do with the problem and, and, and the condition of man. And redemption is, is our solution. What is the solution to our problem? And then, of course, consummation. Uh, what is our hope? And so the world says about creation or this, this sense of who we are, um, I, I'm meant to be God, right? I'm, I'm to be in control. I'm, I'm to be sovereign. 
the Bible says that we are made in God's image to reflect his glory, to love God and to, and to love others. I totally hear that story all the time. I mean, we go downtown, even if we go to, to dinner or lunch and we're sharing with somebody, it's almost like you can tell them within 15 seconds of what the worldview is, yes. and especially of God. Exactly. And so, and, and, and then this, this idea of our problem, what is that? Well, we talk about the fall. The world says you're held back by God. You're held back by circumstances and insecurities. Other people prevent me from being sovereign in my world. Well, we know the Bible says that we have all rebelled against God's rule, but our self-rule leads to conflict and slavery and and judgment. Uh, We rejected God's sovereignty in favor of uh, self-sovereignty. And so that's our problem. Um, What about the solution? Well, the the world will tell you, you can be set free by disobeying God and treasuring others and other things as as a source of joy. Um, I can avoid people at all costs who challenge my sovereignty. And yet the Bible says that God restores his rule by sending his son and and his son Jesus, who who, who graciously, graciously enables us to live under his rule by paying the price of our judgment on the cross. And so our story must be uh, the most compelling story because it's truly what speaks to our, our human condition and provides a solution. And then, and then finally, what is, it the world that, what is it that the world hopes for? We all have something within us that desires for something better. We desire peace. Um, we, we know that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. The world says that one day we will be gods, right? My, my sovereignty right. will ultimately be unchallenged. But the Bible says something radically different. It says our hope is in Jesus Christ, who is the king. He will ultimately make all things right, restoring his good creation. Literally, heaven will come and and be on earth, and there'll be ultimate shalom. So when you see this, I mean, I I think downtown or wherever we are, even in our communities, people are seeking peace. They want peace, but they want to reject God at the same time. It's like they want to find it on their own. And I see a hopelessness. There's people that are hopeless. But yet hope is right in front of them. Yeah. Do you notice that at all? Oh, absolutely. It's all over. We live in a neighborhood where there's lots of poverty. There's lots of brokenness. And I, I, I want to, uh, you know, when I encourage others and, and we, we, they, they talk about their need and, and there may be a physical need that they come to us for. It could be a relational uh, need. Um, it ultimately is, is poverty. And it begins with poverty in the self. We have that we have a broken relationship with God that needs to be restored. And because of that brokenness, we then bring dysfunction into every single relationship that we we come in, in, in into with uh, marriage, parenting, uh, being a neighbor. Um, we bring dysfunction into every relationship, and only only uh, uh, that poverty can only be. Um, uh, the only solution that there that is 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 redemption, um, for that brokenness to be met with with Christ and for there to be wholeness and, and healing. So when you say that that is the redemption, it's almost like th- that verse that Rick uh, quoted is rings out loud. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So if we move out there in, in with the gospel, if we move into community without the gospel, I mean. There's no power into salvation. You're just a good friend. You got some good advice. That's it. But you don't have the power unto salvation. Yeah, and it really should motivate everything that we do as a church. And when I say the church, I, I mean the kingdom, all the churches that, that are comprised in the kingdom. Uh, we're not alone in the city. Um, but the, the gospel truly transforms lives. I like to say that it's the gospel that transforms people, and people transform the world. It changes the way we love, the way we give, the way we serve, speak, parent, the way we view others. Because we know ultimately God and his gospel through the Bible, it should saturate everything that we do. 
and ultimately, um, it, it's it's the good news as revealed in God's word. Yeah, I noticed uh, you're preaching at church right now through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, six, and seven, mm. and focusing on the Beatitudes right now. Yeah, it's amazing how those messages and each beatitude is like progressive. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and it was blessed are the meek. It's almost like these are the characteristics of Christ and the believers, and God, uh, the Holy Spirit in us, helps us to flesh those out and learn how to use those in our community. Yeah. So I'm noticing that in your message, how you really are gospel-centered in your message and what we're doing. Well, let me just say, there, there's no good news in a list of to-dos. There's no good news in a list of to-dos. And so it's not a matter of, th- this is what we need to do by pulling up the bootstraps. We need to be poor, right? We need to, we need to be meek. We need to be humble and, and all of these things. Um, but God has made the kingdom accessible to all who are broken, all who are poor, all who are in need through the person and life of Jesus Christ, through his perfect life, his substitutionary death, and his triumphant resu- resurrection. And, and that is what we proclaim as good news. It's good news to be proclaimed. I love it. So I, I'm just really eating those up, man. I just love uh, mm. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, first of all. Yeah. But I, I just I love the gospel. I love how you live it out. You proclaim it. You preach it. And um, you know what? When I see Rick and his gifts and his friends and what he does, it's, it's learning to incorporate the gifts into the body. And Rick does that over at his church. Uh, and then they take that evangelism, that gospel, and they move it into community. Mm, I love and it. when we come back... Uh, we're going to talk about community, and we're going to, I'm going to ask Anthony to unpack this community, this word community, and what it means, what it looks like. So right now, you are listening to Koinia at Faith on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm Med Skeens with Anthony Cox, sitting in for Tom Brown. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. My name is Anthony Cox. I'm with my dear brother, Med Skeens. We're filling in for Tom Brown, and today we're talking about gospel community and mission. Man, I got to tell you what, we just got out of that first segment talking about the gospel. Rick called in and just blistered it in an evangelical way, and you came in with this shepherding view and I'm saying I'm blessed. I saw you guys unpack this in a couple of different ways. And I'm interested in what you're about to say with community, because you said gospel, community, and mission. This is kind of your, your, your vision and what I've seen, you know, just hanging out with you the last six months or more, especially at, at uh, Mercy Hill Church. So I, I'm looking at this, and I heard the gospel plainly. And I've been doing community groups Many years. Gail and I have been doing it literally 25 to 30 years, developing them, training them, loving on them. And the word community has evolved in my mind, mm. especially since my son Jeff started Caneo Church, taught me a little bit about urban ministries and community. And 
I've learned a little bit, a little bit more even talking to you. So I want you to help me unpack after we talked about the gospel, taking this gospel into the community, unpack this community as a shepherd in the view through through your eyes. Yeah, thanks, Med. Uh, so Christianity is primarily a, a corporate thing. When we when we read the New Testament, we see that uh, the gospel changes people and brings them into community. We're made for community, mm-hmm. and within every person, there's the desire to belong. I don't care how individualistic you may seem. You may pride yourself in having a spirit of individualism. But what we find, uh, even just through conversation with people in our neighborhood, is uh, the more individualistic people uh, become, the, the more isolated and lonely they feel. And that's because God has made us to belong, right. to be a part of community, to experience freedom and simply just being human and sharing who we are uh, with each other. Uh, so we're kind of opening up a can of worms now, Med. Thank you, because... Yes. <laughs> uh, um, uh, something I am passionate about, about the sense of belonging and how the church provides and the ideal community uh, that people desire. Um, but we do get challenged by millennials and others in our community with regards to, to membership. Yeah, and you know, I noticed that because I was a college minister for years over in, in Arrowhead area. And I got to tell you, uh, college kids, they love a crowd. And they'll go from church to church to church and this group to that group. And there's a lot going on for that that millennial group and the and and the younger ones, and so I ask, say, what church are you a member of? And they'll say, well, I'm not a member of a church. And there's a lot of churches that they don't uh, really uh, have membership. Some of them support that view mm-hmm. with with the Bible, and that you know somewhat because they say they can't find it specifically. And then I see this millennial view where it's not important to be a member of a church. But I know this is a deal to you. Mm-hmm. And a, a good deal because it's something that you feel that we need in, in community. So I'm going to ask you to unpack that a little bit about being a church member. Why, why is that so? Why are you so passionate about that? Yeah, thank you. I'd be glad to. Uh, so church membership is important because it enables us to live out the one another commands in the New Testament. Uh, we see them all over the place. Secondly, it validates the power of the gospel. We talk about the good news is is news to be proclaimed in word, but it's also to be demonstrated. And the way we do that is through the local church. So when I talk about why join a church or uh, talk about others who may challenge that a little bit. I, I generally will take them through a tour of the book of Ephesians. In chapter one, we have a beautiful description of our salvation. In chapter two, we see how we're saved. And in verse four of chapter two, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with, he, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ for by grace is by grace that you've been saved. So that's our theology, right? So then right. at the end of chapter two, we have our application. And what is that? The fact that Christ has um, brought down the dividing walls of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And we could say even cultural, uh, theological, he, he's, he's brought down all sorts of uh, walls of hostility. In, chap- in verse 6 of chapter 3, he says, the mystery is that the Gentiles and the fellow are, are, are fellow heirs now, members of the same body. So there's, there's membership of the body now and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So now why did God do this? In verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom or the visible uh, wisdom of God might be now uh, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So there it is. We have good news that is to be proclaimed, but we also have good news that we proclaim as as a local body of transformed believers uh, that we display to the world. 
Um, so why did he do this? He, he, he did it so that uh, it's the visible representation of, of God to the world, and he does it through the church. The local church is, is simply the core of God's plan to glorify himself. I think back to uh, John chapter 13, verse 36, where he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men may know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's the great apologetic. The great defense we have for the gospel is the fact that we have a community that now loves one another. Walls of hostility have been brought down because of the gospel, and now community can happen and exist freedom. And I remember you mentioned one time where being a church member that we we keep each other accountable, Mm -hmm. accountable for our our doctrines, accountable for our lifestyle, accountable in many areas. And you... you, um, you explained that pretty well. I just want to know if there's any way you can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so love, uh, there's really three ways in which we can live out the, the one another's. First, we're to love one another. Second, encourage one another. And then guard one another. So, Ew, yeah. so loving one another, First Peter 2, 17 says, love the brotherhood of believers, right? Galatians 6, 10 says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Now, this kind of love is not a love that's easy. Okay, it's mm. it, it's messy. Church is messy. It hurts. It, it's right. not easy, but that's really the whole point. If you love those who love you, what reward are you going to get? Oh, right? wow, that's This good. is the testimony to the world, the fact that we can love one another no matter what we look like. Romans 15, 1 says, um, we who are strong ought to bear with the, the failings of the weak and not please ourselves, right? Yeah. It takes the gospel to radically transform the way you think and act. You know, uh, as we are church members within our group and our community groups and our church family, our local church family, we can hold each other accountable. But you get another church down the road, there's a little less accountability. I mean, if they think something different in a a different uh, doctrine— we don't have that authority to walk into them and say, hey, look, we're, we're the same family. Even though we're in the, the universal family of God, this local church seems to bring mm-hmm. a, a tighter bond. Yeah. Well, we're, we're all members of one body. I, I think in the next segment, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means in terms of partnership mm-hmm. and collaborating, kingdom collaboration. But as a local body, we do have the benefit of knowing one another and a sense of belonging to each other. Now, I don't belong necessarily in a, in a very intimate, authentic uh, sense to uh, a brother across town from me, but I am the one that I actually do life and live life with. So we encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let's not give up meeting together as some have the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another, right? Mm-hmm. As we see the, the day approaching. Stimulate one another. That's right. Yeah. And guarding one another. I like to simply yeah. say that we are called to guard each other's life and doctrine. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that God has brought me into a community of believers because you remember, I I said from the very beginning, this idea of the gospel, our problem is we bring dysfunction into every relationship. Well, that means Anthony brings dysfunction. The church is messy because Anthony is a part of it, right, in our family. That's right. And that's what it means to be a a family of believers who can unite together in in gospel and community. We we desperately need one another. I I like to think in terms of in the sense of guarding one another, which the Bible tells us to do. In 1 Corinthians 5, we have this example, right, of a, of a man who has been called out because of his sin, and he's brought before the body, the local body. Um, the, the 1 Corinthians 5 guy who's caught in immorality, um, I, I really do believe he thought himself as a Christian. 
Uh, he probably went to church regularly. He probably did everything that uh, the, the, the community of believers would do regularly. But he was not living like a Christian. And so Paul writes and tells the church to take action because it was the most loving thing to do for this man who was caught in sin. Um, <laughs> and, and because he was not living a life of repentance, unwilling to, to turn. Uh, but not only for that man is it a loving thing to do to be able to speak into his life and call him to faith and repentance, but it was good for everybody around him. There are still unbelievers who are part. I mean, we, we don't act rightly on a daily basis because we don't believe rightly. I, I, I identify with the man who had the, had the, the sixth son and went to, to Jesus and says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Amen. I see myself there all the time. And so we have, un, we have people who do not believe rightly all around us every single day. And, and but we also have unbelievers in the watching world, that the church is a spectacle to be seen. And we have the watching world. So we are to look after each other, guard each other's life and doctrine, because it's the most loving thing to do for each other. And it's also the most loving thing we can offer our city. You know, I, I'm hearing you say this, and I actually see you live this out with, with Ricky and John, <clears throat> the other two pastors there at, at Mercy Hill Church. And, you know, I talked to those guys yesterday and today a little bit about Scripture. And I said, hey, what, what motivates you, man, to get out there and to shepherd these people and to take the gospel into community here in, our, in urban Phoenix? And know they had Scriptures. And once Ricky said a Scripture that I'm familiar with, and he used Acts 17, and he talked about, um, you know, he said, for in him we have life and move and exist. We live, move, and exist. Mm. And that was our Kaneo verse, because the word move is Kaneo, like kinetic energy, what moves us. And it's like this gospel moves us into community. Mm. And Ricky said that. I'm like, man, what a heart for people. And what a heart for servanthood to let God use him. And I I just got to commend Ricky, man. I just love that guy. And John, of course, you know. Charles Hans Spurgeon, mm-hmm. he came in with some of the hard <laughs> verses, and but yet gospel, solid gospel. And I and John, I got to tell you, this guy's got a heart for the word, mm. and he uses First Corinthians fifteen. He used First uh, uh, Peter, and he went on talking about how for what I received, I passed on to you. That motivates him. He he's received this this love, this this mercy. So he wants to go take this gospel, and he wants to. Pass it on to somebody else as first importance. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. He said, man, this is our first importance. So I look at John, and he just, man, John just dives into the Word, and he's found this. This is a first importance. It's not like my son Rick, man. I'm going out there, and this gospel we take to the community on fire because it's first priority. So I just love you guys, how you unpack all that and see how it's working out. So I got one more minute, and I'm going to let you kind of close this out of, of finishing up this this community. Because at the next session, I want to talk about mission, I, 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 gospel, community, and mission. So if you could just end this segment right now and uh, finish up your... Yeah, thanks, brother. So you're listening to Coin and Neon Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Anthony Cox with Med Skeens. We're filling in for Tom Brown today, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
Uh, welcome back to Koinia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Med Skeens in studio with Anthony Cox, and we are sitting in for Tom Brown today. Um, first two segments were pretty awesome, Anthony. I got to tell you, uh, you just blessed me. You know, you opened up with a powerful view, a uh, pastoral uh, mission, missional view of the gospel and how to take it into community in the second segment. And uh, th- this is our mission. And it's not about us. It, I mean, there's a bigger picture. I mean, there's a there's a global picture of this mission. And y- your words are gospel, community and mission. And you unpack those first two. Now I'm looking forward to to what you're thinking about on this mission thing. What do you mean mission as a pastor in, in urban Phoenix? As uh, as a as a local pastor in the city, it's easy to focus so much on meaningful membership as a local uh, expression of the gospel, and yet forget that we are part of a larger kingdom uh, within the walls of our city. Um, Look at looking at the New Testament. You know, we ask ourselves: Is autonomy really a, a biblical idea? And I do believe Ephesians four it tells us that you know that the local body is given the the gifts and the resources needed to be able to govern themselves um, as a local body. But yet, as we read the New Testament, we see this kingdom language: the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom, there is an interdependence. We we need each other. Uh, we cannot um, act and move. Uh, you know, uh, apart from um, the rest of the body. Um, so that, that, that begs, begs the question, what is our goal? Is, is our goal to grow our kingdom or our church, or is it, um, is it the city itself? Oh, yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's really our goal, and we, we try to make it our goal. So if, if, the, if the goal is the city of Phoenix uh, to reach in the, in the kingdom, um, um, just manifesting on earth as it is in heaven and, and making the kingdom accessible to all through Christ, then we, if, if the goal is the city, that we begin to act and behave differently. And you say the goal is the city. And I totally know what you mean because you, we've already impacted the gospel and community. So it's not like the city is our goal. The, the target is taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, which when Rick said, just like the all the Super Bowl guys did, you know, their little mission right there, they do all the time in the local church, but their mission for right here in this local church is the city. So you're saying we're going to focus on our city, not just us, not like a plant in a pot. We could rot, That's but right. we got to get out and, and join hands with other people. Yeah, we want our city to flourish. Just like every other church wants their wants their city to to flourish. So when we when we make the the, the flourishing of Phoenix our goal, um, then we begin to act and behave differently. We we begin to link arms and and start spreading throughout the city. So I love the fact that you and Gail are just entrenching yourselves in community and 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 um, bringing other believers that we're doing life together with in your neighborhood and in your community and modeling what that looks like um, to to be kind of a an alternate uh, city or an alternate family uh, within the walls of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a great city. Um, but we also begin to use language like partnership and brotherhood and collaboration. Um, really, when you start looking at uh, when churches have a kingdom mentality and not just about their own uh, local church, but about the kingdom, mm-hmm. it begins to look more like a movement where there is a movement that's happening in our midst and, and Christ is being proclaimed, people's lives are being changed, neighborhoods are beginning to change by virtue of the people changing. You know, gospel changes people, people change uh, the world, the, the city. Um, 
And we can have a movement in any culture or context. And that's what I love about how the gospel uh, takes shape in a city. So you see partners being advantageous. I mean, almost this is the way it's designed. We need partners. Do you, do you see a lot of churches wanting to join in on that? Man, there's so much that's happening that's encouraging right now. God's been at work in Phoenix for decades before we even got here. Um, I love the fact that even uh, within our own denomination, um, uh, the fact that it's it's a cooperation of local churches that are giving to the spread of the gospel. We can't do it alone. We, we need each other. But uh, I'm also happy that with our with our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, um, we are we are not um, about just growing our denomination. Um, hasn't always been been the case. Uh, I think, at least from others' perspectives. But I, I love the fact that uh, today. Uh, we are seeing so much happen, happening in our midst. We're seeing kingdom collaboration. We're seeing uh, a, um, a people who, who aren't just about growing their denomination, but seeing the kingdom expand through the, the spreading of the gospel and the planting of, of local churches. And so it's a great time to be a part of the kingdom. We need each other, and we need to think outside of our own individual, individual tribes. So if there are some pastors listening to us right now, and they feel all alone, and they're just, just kind of tunnel visioned on their little world, but they really want out. They want mm-hmm. a partner. They want help. They want to give help. How could you encourage them and, and just get them involved in this this universal mission to take the gospel in community with as our mission? Yeah. How do you encourage them? Well, to be kingdom-minded um, is, to, is to have lenses that are as, really as big as our city. Um, God has brought us together for a reason. If you have that desire, it's, it's, it's totally a God thing. I'm, I, I struggle with those tensions. I mean, we are about celebrating our distinctiveness as a local church, but yet we are a part of a, of a larger body, and God is at work all around us. And so we just simply need to ask the questions of, okay, God, what are you doing in our city? And how, we, how can we get in on what you are doing? We need to mm. um, have a commitment to other brothers in the city. I think, Med, it begins with prayer. Mm. We have got to find unity in praying. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. We cannot do it alone. Um, Everything that happens, every movement that takes place happens because there's a burden, and those burdens are received through prayer. And and so I think that's where it begins. You know, I, I often tell people, you know, my wife and I don't feel called to urban ministry. We, we were never called to to kind of be in the city and and to have this, uh, you know, uh, type of ministry, um, at least so we thought. Um, it was really a burden that just couldn't be ignored. God gave us a burden, and we just simply wanted to take action on it. You sound, that burden sounds like the evangelist. It's like this mm-hmm. burden that the Holy Spirit puts in us is is made for pastors, for evangelists, for missionaries. And, and I just feel it because I just saw some young guys preaching. Uh, a guy named Steve Stanley, Stephen Stanley, mm-hmm. a young guy preaching, and his partner, Ed. They were preaching in San Francisco, along with Rick and your buddy, uh, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Say, say shout out to Tommy. Hey, Tommy Waltz. Yeah, I know he's going to hear this. So Tommy and Zach, another guy you met from North Carolina, mm-hmm. which you big Panther fans, uh, you know, next year that. Cardinals going to have to take you Easy. out. We're, go Cardinals. <laughs> but anyhow, I see the passion. You said it's in you, and this is exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing. He, It is a movement, but it's a gospel movement in the lives of his church, and he's gifted the church with evangelists, with pastors and teachers and missionaries. And so we're to go out, and you as a shepherd, I see you in the city of Phoenix 
that's leading us now, you and some others, you know, uh, apparently Jeff, you know, and I look at Jeff, you, you, my son, Jeff, you guys are missional and you're a pastor. He's a missionary. And didn't you guys just get back from Atlanta, uh, right? We did. What's going on? What's, what are you guys learning about the mission uh, of the church? Yeah, so in God's providence, we've received um, nearly a, a full city block, uh, Mercy Hill Church, um, in our merger with the church on Fillmore. And so a great blessing, but great uh, burden. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing having a large space in the city, but it's also a, a, a burden. Uh, but our desire is to steward our, our property, our resources well. And so as we look around at the needs of our city, we, we, we just simply want to say, okay, what, what can we do? in our city that can, that can contribute to the flourishing of our city, especially those who are in crisis, who are in our, in our neighborhood. And so we wanted to look at urban development models around the country. We're going to Chicago in just a few weeks, but we just got back from Atlanta. We went and visited Bob Lupton's uh, FCS Ministries. Um, they do a lot with affordable and subsidized housing and um, focusing on education and job creation. And then we looked at the City of Refuge and spent some time with their leaders and the incredible urban development models. And we look at these two models that have been in the city for decades, and we say, man, we are just, anything short of this is just not getting it right. But we see the kingdom in action, kingdom making a difference in, in showing value and reaching people where they are and showing how the gospel transforms not only them spiritually, but even holistically and, and coming alongside of them. And, you know, it's going to take these type of conversations of looking at what God is doing in our city and in cities around the country. Uh, we have to admit that we don't have all the answers. Man, I'm, I'm new to urban ministry. Um, I kind of found it. It, 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 you know, it found me. There you go. Um, the, the city is is urbanizing and the, the world is coming to our front uh, door. And so I think it begins again with prayer. We got to pray for our city. We got to pray for the individuals in our, in our neighborhoods. Uh, we need to begin conversations around the table with other brothers that are may not look like us, may not even be of the same tribe, but we need to be willing, have a theology to bring them in and have conversation. We simply need to take action. Um, Kingdom collaboration takes humility. We all have blind spots and we need each other. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? I think we have a special guest that's uh, coming on a radio right now. Is he here? Who is this? Who is this? Hey, this is uh, this is the actual host of the show. What are you doing? He took my show. Well, yeah, I locked the door outside the building, and Anthony and I confiscated your office, man. What are you doing? I go, I have a party for 300 pastors, and you just take my show? What's up with that? <laughs> well, I want to know, where where are you at? What are you doing? Can you give us a little well, fireball? I'll give you a little update. How about you go to break? When we come back, I'll just take 30 seconds. Uh, but I'm so excited, especially what you two are talking about, Unity. Uh, man, I just had an incredible time as we loved on over 300 pastors uh, with a free lunch and lots of free giveaways, and uh, it was a real blessing. But uh, I know you got to get to break here, being the uh, radio professional that you are, and uh, I'll, I'll just join you right after the break. Okay, I'll Thanks, be Tom. waiting for you, buddy. Well, listen, Anthony, uh, we pretty much wrapped up uh, gospel, community, and mission. And, you know, uh, coming back from the Super Bowl, uh, Tom Brown's a passion He's got a passion for evangelism, even though he's behind this microphone. I can't remember what, 2 million watts or whatever, 20,000 watts. I have no clue, but I know it's powerful, and it reaches a lot of people. He talks about it uh, when we go out, Gail and I go out with him and Mary, about the, the privilege that he has of, of sharing the gospel, because it is the power of God into salvation. And uh, I'll give a shout-out to 
my team, when I went to San Francisco, uh, Albert Gomez, we got Stephanie Helms, uh, we got Stephen Stanley, of course, um, uh, man, I'm missing somebody, Ed, and my son Rick, and his friend Val. I got to tell you, I am blessed by people that love Jesus, love the gospel, the news of God redeeming mankind to himself, and I'm grateful. So thanks for being here, and we'll come back in a moment and hear Tom Brown. You're listening to Koinia on Faith Talk 1360. Welcome back to Koinia on Faith Talk 1360. Anthony Cox from Mercy Hill Church, thank you for being here and sharing about the gospel community and and mission. And Tom Brown, I know you're still on the air. Uh, Tell us your heart, buddy, about this, uh, what's on your mind. Well, one of the things, uh, Matt, is that I, this is my favorite day of the year. It's a day that we gather uh, pastors from all over the valley, literally actually all over the state, come together to listen to an encouragement uh, and and have a free lunch and win lots of prizes. But here's my favorite part of the whole day is when we have the ministry expo, we have all these pastors. Uh, they're in this area meeting ministries that serve them. And it is an incredible blessing to me to hear the conversations between the pastors and how they're and, and the number of times that pastors are stopping to pray for other pastors during this event. It's a wonderful thing. I'm excited for the Valley of the Sun for 2016. I think God is moving in a powerful way because his body is moving together. And uh, I just wanted to reaffirm what you guys were talking about, that it takes us, the body of Christ, and the leaders of the body of Christ, the ones that have been called to preach and teach, understanding that we serve a mighty God, multifaceted God that loves all of us and he wants us to commune one with another. Well, Tom, you are the great connector and God has used you in so many ways throughout the valley, throughout the state, and now almost worldwide now that you've been to Israel. But I got to tell you, Tom, thank you. And I'm going to pray for you right now and the pastors. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be on air where we could talk about Jesus. We could talk about the gospel. And we could talk about community, Lord, taking the gospel to our communities. And Lord, that being our mission. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And Father, I pray right now for these pastors, if they feel lonely, Lord, to to yoke up, to link together, that we could take this city for Jesus. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for those evangelists out there, Lord, that go all over sharing your word. Help us to link together under the umbrella of the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We love you. And Lord, I want to pray for my wife, Gail, just as Tom prays for Mary every day. Bless her, Lord. And I pray that she will have what she needs today and use me as an instrument of joy in her life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 